0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, welcome. All the regular listeners, welcome back. If you guys aren't subscribed yet, make sure to do so wherever you're listening. So that when you a new episode drops, it automatically downloads into the platform you're listening to. Today's conversation, I have an old friend of mine, amazing dude. I went to school with them at BCIT for one short semester, and we connected and bonded over long hours, studying, tutoring, and even in the pub. This was back in 2008. I met our guest today, Ryan Hickey at BCIT, doing the marketing management course that they had back in 2008 before the world got flipped upside down with social media, so it was kind of the end of that era of marketing. I didn't last in that program, unfortunately. Ryan did and went on to do some cool things. And in this conversation, we talk about those days. We kind of talk about our experience there in the beginning. Then we dive into kind of his journey and how he got into the nutrition space. And now how he's helping specifically men in their 30s lose their gut and become physically capable by learning what to eat. But he does work with women also. That's just what he he works with on Instagram to get clear with his audience. As you guys know on social media, it's super important to be clear who he's speaking to. But Ryan's wealth of knowledge is really, really valuable for men and for women. So this was great. This was a great conversation. We talked about what is the the factor when it comes to people gaining weight, like what that is, what causes them. We talked about misconceptions around sometimes trauma and the metaphysical stuff, you know, in, in my life, I talk a lot about metaphysical. We talk a lot about spirituality. And the reason I wanted to bring Ryan on is because he's not as much that way. He's more scientific and more evidence-based, which is great. I like to listen to everybody. And he he really made a lot of sense in what he was talking about when bringing it back to like, you know, his beliefs in in having the evidence and that kind of thing. So great conversation around all of that we talked about calories what they actually mean we talked about different aspects around if you're training how much different carbohydrate levels and pretty much we we unpacked a lot this was a long conversation longer conversation than normal but I did my best to really ask questions that I am curious about and I think you guys will too you guys are as well because there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of influencers that are kind of the louder of the group. So we tend to listen and we kind of follow these people. and We develop these beliefs, but it's not necessarily going to be the most true to us. So it's important to kind of listen to other perspectives. And Ryan's perspective is all about great, but how can we simplify it so that you can maintain it in the, the pinch of stress? Like say you're stressed out, how do you show up? What do you eat? And really not to be guilty not to put guilt on yourself about this stuff and to like allow yourself to live life and to base your nutrition on your lifestyle so that you are able to be able to go out and have fun and have a beer or have a drink every now and then if that's what you want to do so great conversation highly recommend going and checking out ryan's instagram it's coach underscore ry hickey r y h i c k e y coach underscore r Y H I C K E Y on Instagram. He makes a lot of good videos. He's, he, 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 you can see he's got his personality on there. He likes to joke around and likes to kind of, you know, be direct in, uh, you know, on social media. But Ryan speaks to a wide audience of people with the knowledge that he talks about in this. And I think you guys will really, really enjoy it. So, Before we get into this episode, I just want to say thank you to all of you guys for listening. Thank you so much for the support. I truly appreciate it. And if you guys haven't had a chance to grab a copy of Mastering Adversity, my new book, I highly recommend doing it. You know, like I've talked about before, you may be hearing this for the first time. I've been on my own personal transformational journey in all aspects of life you know mind body spirit business all of it right and as i've gone through this journey through the podcast i've learned a lot and the book that i wrote really came from the heart and what i wanted to share with you guys my personal journey through transformation what i've learned what i've done to get me to where i am today and give you a tangible resource that you can use if you resonate with my message that you can use in your own life to navigate adversity when it hits and to really unlock that warrior within that I believe we all have that is just begging to come out and begging to step into your true power. So Mastering Adversity is now available everywhere. Go grab a copy, you guys. Really, really appreciate it. And of course, if you don't have a budget to grab the book, how you can give back to the show, either share it with somebody that you feel need this episode or leave us a review on Apple or wherever you listen. It is greatly appreciated. All right, enjoy this episode with my friend, Ryan Hickey. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. My man, Ryan Hickey. Welcome to University of Adversity, brother. Good to see you.
1: Good to see you, Lance. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Man, it's so good to have you on here. We've we've been homies for a long time since. Uh, for the little bit of the backstory, the BCIT the BCIT days in the what was it the marketing management program or whatever the hell it was one of the hardest yes, programs sir. I've ever ever gone through in my life that I only lasted like a semester or actually like one what was it one term.
1: You were there for. I feel like you were there for. Yeah. The full the full first semester. But shit, yeah, that was that was a slog, man. That was an absolute <laughs> grind. If you know, you know. Like it was yeah. We're going back what fifteen, fifteen years type of thing, but
0: Yeah. Yeah, wow, it's uh, crazy. and eight. Two thousand and eight. Right. Before yes. that was when, you know, a little bit of context for people is like that was even when we were learning that stuff, marketing, Facebook and social media wasn't even like a thing. It was like a that's entertainment right. thing, right? It was entertainment. Yeah. It wasn't part of like marketing. We were at that last that last part before like it all turned into like our life,
1: you know? Like, totally. Yeah. That's wild to think, eh? Like that's, I would imagine, the predominant aspect of marketing management programs now it's like a free platform to to sell things and promote your service or whatever it's like yeah that's that's strange to think about man we did do that entire program without even any social media classes yeah. zero
0: yeah it was like the end of that that old era
1: which is yeah. wild to think about yeah.
0: because you know with the work that we both do would you ever have thought 15 years later that what is going on with technology and our phones and social media would be what it is.
1: Like I would absolutely have no chance, man. No chance. Yeah. Who would have known? It's 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 strange. And it's and it's really cool. It's like all perspective, right? Yeah. I heard it's funny. I heard someone say, like a famous author say that. He's also got a massive podcast. He was just like, if you were to told me, to have told me twenty years ago that I would use most of my time towards a podcast, I would have said, "What the hell's a podcast?" And I yeah. was just like, "Oh, interesting." It's times change, man.
0: Yeah, no, it was. I'm uh, sure
1: you can relate to that a lot, like,
0: man, you know, yeah. I mean that that program itself was I rarely talk about it. So it's kind of fun to go back and, and kind of talk about this because that was my only, you know, post secondary school. And that program was so fucking hard, man. Like were mm-hmm. we were doing like seven courses in like one semester. And I remember you and I we'd be doing that business math until like eight o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. Like, yeah, it was man. crazy. And who else was I think Rob Rob was there? Rob McQuiston.
1: So oh yeah, yeah. I we talk were, with Robbie still.
0: Yeah, we were just I remember that it was just a grind and then to get to the class and write the tests and I would I would just get like worse grades and I was like, man, what the hell is up with this? You know?
1: It Dude, I, I was never I never needed such tutoring. Like we I think you're referring to those math classes that we would go to the tutoring sessions after hours. Yes. So we would have lecture from like, straight lecture all day from, you know, 8 a.m. to to 5. And then we would cruise right to that tutoring session and be there until, like, you know, 8 or 9 p.m. Because, yeah, I remember just bombing the first math exam as well. <laughs> like, and going, holy shit, I'm going to fail all of these courses. Like, <laughs> it was it was pretty intense, man. Seven courses... And having those seven exams in one week for midterms and finals every semester was just bizarre. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it was eight. It was eight classes at times. What were it you doing? F-
0: were you working at the time? Because I was working at Earl's, no, like no five nights a week. It was just it was
1: yeah. Weird. That's 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 probably the crux of it. There, like I was, I was at Milestones for the first right. bit, and then I was just. Like I had a conversation with my parents. I was thankfully living at home still and commuting from Langley, which was like a long commute because it was pre the new Portman Bridge, right? Right. And so there and back was like at least an additional two and a half hours right. each day. And so, yeah, it didn't take me long to say I can't, there's no chance I could work. My weekends were just like yeah, studying the entire time.
0: So you finished that program so yep. that was the 2 years and then what did you do after that walk us through sort of like we got we're taking people back a little bit 15 years here you know and then we sort of lost connection over the years but we talked over time and I think we reconnected before the pandemic started mm-hmm. or during or something and then you know you've been on this like you know journey with the, with helping men and lose weight and get in shape and i love i love what you're doing man and i'm just kind of curious as to like what led you into this field because you're also a golfer right so what's the gap between when you finished school till now like how did how did that mm. unfold for you
1: yeah so the quick synopsis is initially i had gone to school in texas i got a golf scholarship when i was 19, I took a couple years off after high school, partied the first year, the second year, just devoted. I said, I want to, I've wanted to get a golf scholarship. Having grown up a competitive junior golfer my whole adolescence, I said, I want to get a golf scholarship. I ended up going to Texas. That was an amazing opportunity. I did an entire, a full year there, two semesters, But it just wasn't quite the opportunity that I was looking for, for both golf and academics. And so that's when I came home and enrolled in BCIT. Right. I did that. And then to answer your question, post-BCIT, basically the last semester involved a, what do they call it? Practicum, I think. And so I actually worked for my, for my uncle who owns a TELUS dealership, like our our sort of biggest, you know, for yeah. those who aren't Canadians, our biggest telecommunications network. I just transitioned into a sales role there. I worked a couple years there. I then went to a building products wholesaler. So, the long and short of it, Matt, is I spent about a decade in sales. Yeah, I spent about ten years in sales, and to be quite honest, the whole time. I kind of knew that there was something, there was something missing. I was just like,
0: how did you know that? Like talk, I, talk to us about that. Cause we get into yeah. some of this stuff. Like what is, what did that look like for you? Because I think there's a lot of people that, you know, are doing shit they don't want to do. And then there's mm-hmm. this deep feeling like, fuck, there's something else there. What was yeah. that? Like, how did you, like, how was that coming up? What did that look like for you?
1: It's a great question, man, and've I've talked about it and contemplated it a ton, and I think, you know as, as the human brain does a lot, like I, I, it'll fab, my brain'll fabricate these stories like there was some kind of precipice, which there wasn't really. It was just this the way that I, that I, I sort of summarize it is I was doing all the things, the things that society deems this is what translates to a fulfilling life i was getting paid well i had bought an apartment you know i had steady various like like a steady girlfriend at at the time and i was just like empty i was still angry i was still discontent i was i was like something's missing here and and it just ultimately boiled over to me realizing that i didn't have this passion for work i was always like i was not a great salesman i was trying to do the bare minimum and that is is such a crazy thing to think about now because i fucking love what i do man and it's like i'm such a passionate guy and i've always been someone who brings you know a decent amount of energy when i'm in a good spot otherwise i would avoid interactions you know and so for those many years in sales i was sort of like short changing myself i was like limiting myself from doing you know extraordinary things and and facing really significant challenge and all of that and then it just became this thing where it was actually you know i remember it now i was I was working my last sales role i was working for a nutrition a sports nutrition company so i was selling like supplements which was closer this in this role i i liked the stuff i was selling i tried it myself i was interested in i would research it on my own so that was a bit of a like a oh cool this is okay like I, i didn't give a shit about building products or cell phones really Yeah, This was more in my forte. I've always been into fitness and nutrition, but just didn't really know what I was talking about necessarily. That was a step in that direction. I was taking Muay Thai very seriously. I I did it in my early 20s. I then got back into it when I was in my late 20s and then into my 30s while I was working for the sports nutrition company. A well-known one it's like they make c4 pre-workout and such and i i went to thailand for a month to train and i i injured my knee during that time period my girlfriend at the time came over i was supposed to fight there the whole idea was i was going to have a fight in thailand because i'd been training for like years leading up to that and my girlfriend at the time came over her mom Lived in Russia, lives in Russia. And so her friend and her mom, her mom and her mom's friend flew into Thailand, and my two buddies flew into Thailand. And the idea was that we were going to all like, I had been there for three weeks and training hard, and uh, they were going to watch my fight. And then we're going to have like a week of kind of just, you know, fun afterwards. I ended up mangling my knee, and I was just sort of like in my little Airbnb just in a state of utter self-loathing, right? Like this, this whole plan that I had had.
0: Fair enough. I mean, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, it sucked. It's, I was like sitting there and I just thought it was this moment where I was researching stuff and I was just like, I don't want to do sales anymore. Sales is not what I want to do. So what do, what do I want to do? Well, I love nutrition. And that's when I got hit with, I've been getting hit with these precision nutrition certification ads. I had been looking into it and that's, that's when I signed up for that, for my level one precision nutrition certification, which they were masterful marketers at being like, are you in a job that you dislike? Do you want to coach people? Do you like helping people? Are you interested in fitness and nutrition? I was like, yes, yes, yes. And that's when I signed up for that. So that's that's when it began. And I continued in my role at that sports nutrition company, finished my certification, started taking on some clients, loved it. And then slowly that became, you know, my full-time thing. I did their level two certification. I then became a certified personal trainer. I then started consulting for Trevor Cash Nutrition. Right. And I did that for about a year and a half. And that's, yeah, that's been sort of my my journey to here now, at which I'm, at, you know, doing my own thing and trying to build the empire.
0: So what you're saying is you know your shit, basically.
1: You know what, man? I've been so <laughs> fortunate in having learned from some of the some of the big dogs like i consider dr trevor cashy to be one of the most brilliant people in in my field he's i mean the guy was fucking he was recruited by the Azerbaijani government to like manage their olympic fight teams nutrition right the guy you know he's a he's a biochemist by trade masterful not just with nutrition manipulation but with human behavior and that's what really sparked you know he 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 lit a fire in me in terms of just managing my own distortions and my own kind of behavior in general and also this incredible like insatiable interest in human behavior why we do what we do and looking at things in a more scientific manner As opposed to metaphysical, which can help some, and in my experience, myself included, very biasly, so can also be detrimental when it backfires because it 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 lacks that tangible sort of factual based foundation. And so, yeah, I've I've been coached by some of the some some other you know kings of the industry like dr eric trexler and so yeah i've been very fortunate to learn from these these people and Mm -hmm. you know i'm always learning man always learning the nutrition side of things is not is surprisingly not that complex lance like honestly there's so much misinformation out there and so much fear-mongering and and but when you, when you follow the, the actual like nutritional researchers, it's a funny industry. And I think I, I'm assuming it applies to some other fields as well, because the scientists who are doing the actual research are often not the super charismatic communicators. They're not the people who are building you know the social media audience they're in the fucking lab right and so with science and particularly with nutritional science because we cannot keep humans in like a lab for 20 years and like feed them specific things our, our diets are so varied that it's it's it is difficult for us to be able to say like this is this is okay to consume and this is Unhealthful to consume. But yeah, there's just so much, so much misinformation out there. All that is to say, the nutrition side is not that complicated. It's really more on the psychological side, the actual human behavior and helping people integrate this stuff into their day to day life.
0: Yeah, man, there's so much there to unpack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get into the behavior side of things and all of that. I think we'll go there next. But first off, let's identify the problem that what you see in society, like you work with, you help men in their thirties lose their gut and become physically capable of learning what to eat. I love how direct and like, you know, you're specific with that. And I'm sure this can apply with women too, but you're working Mm. with men, obviously like where, where is the problem? Like if you had to say, if you had to put up the number one or number two, number three things, That is going on and why people are however while they're fat, obese, whatever, unhealthy, what would you say those are to identify first as like as like the biggest red flags to you?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And it's it's a tough one to answer because it's it's different for a lot of people. I would say if I were to try and answer it generally, I would say that. We, a lot of people, particularly the, the clients that I work with, who most of them are trying to lose weight. I do have other, like, more athletic ones who are trying to build muscle. I do work with women as well. The human, like, animals in general are really good at learning ways to avoid pain and move towards pleasure Mm. and so in most instances with clients they've just learned ways to respond to stimulus within their lives in a way that helps them now and it ends up screwing them over later so what i mean by that is that Food, let's use food as an example, but the the same can apply to a bunch of different things, drugs, alcohol, you know, even like emotional, certain emotions like anger and such. Food has, it's it's a tricky beast because it can both positively and negatively reinforce the behavior of consumption. What I mean by that is a lot of people, as we know, A lot of people are stressed chronically, like always stressed in their modern day lives. We're also like, you know, with these things, very conditioned, we've conditioned ourselves to be stimulated all the time. And so I guess in normal, you know, speak, we can say like that we have this aversion to boredom right? When we're not stimulated, like people, people experience what they would articulate as boredom, which is, again, these are like punishing emotions, stress, boredom, sadness, if we're low, like loneliness, these are, I would consider these like emotional stimulus within our lives. And a lot of people make the brain makes the connection that, hey, I don't like stress. My brain, I don't like stress. When stress comes up, what do I want to do? I want to get away from it. Well, guess what? When I put food in my mouth, stress goes away. So we would consider that negative reinforcement, meaning that it reinforces the behavior of eating by removal of a punishing or negative stimulus. So stress goes away when I eat. Therefore, my brain goes, hey, bro. When you eat, that stress goes away. Right. It also positively reinforces the behavior of eating because food does what food does, right? If I'm eating ice cream, it feels good. So it's like positive, meaning it's like the addition of a positive, you know, a positive stimulus. Like I get the good feels of eating food. And so that's the crux of like what the way that. You know, I started looking at behavior when we look at if, if, if a human being has is rocking too much fat on their body, it's likely that we have a recurring practical problem within their lives. And there's probably some thinking problems within that too, some cognitive distortions that we can address. Not that I'm like a therapist or anything, but there's a lot that, you know, can be extracted from like cognitive behavioral therapy and such to start reframing and basically understanding that hey man like if we can make the connection that the way that you're responding to this stimulus within your life is leading to excessive body fat and you want to get rid of that excessive body fat this is a learned a learned behavior for the most part that you've learned to respond to this stimulus stimulus in your life this way The good news is we can learn a different way. And so by way of like one-to-one coaching, which is what I do, and my sort of check-in process, I can like help that person put on their sort of scientific hat and start putting together strategic intervention that helps them experiment themselves with ways of proving to their brain I can choose to like, I can choose to respond to this differently. When I get stressed, the next time I get stressed, it usually happens at this time. Or I usually overeat in the evening, like very common, right? There's always, always in my experience going to be commonalities. There's like consistencies within certain things. And we can say, great, well, that's awesome. We've got that as like this at this time we probably know this is going to occur. So what do we want to do differently this time? And we can start setting key intentions like writing out a list of other ways to deal with stress that helps me now and later. It doesn't just help me now by removing the stress and then create problems later by creating more, you know, body fat type of thing. Does all that make sense? Bit of a rant.
0: No, I, I I get it. I understand what you're saying. It's so. Let me just kind of get put it back to you, just so that people could hear it again. So, what you're saying is that a lot of people, because of their stressful environments or whatever's going on in their life, are triggered, and then they want to relieve themselves of that discomfort, and food is usually that thing that does that, right? It's almost yeah. like a trauma yeah. response. Like there's almost like when you, you learn about trauma, you know, we've had a lot of people about addiction and Gaber Mate talks about it. It's like, you know, a lot of addiction starts from trauma, right? You have this thing that this trauma happens and then you get this response and it ends up being, you know, like a drug or alcohol or whatever. And I don't think food is, is extreme, but it can be the same sort of thing. Like essentially you just want to wanna feel better and you don't even hmm. realize you're doing it right like you're you have this mild discomfort that we all have and yeah. without thinking we just reach for the thing right we reach Bingo. for the thing like oh well you know it's in a colorful package it's it's okay they, like it just eat this it's okay right yeah. and it's just yeah. you do that over and over i've done it that's why i could really relate when you said you know emotional especially at night and i think that's a good point because it's not like people want to are choosing like oh, i want to be I want to eat bad. It's like, no, no, there's like an emotion that's there that it gives them comfort. Right. Yeah. So how, so how does somebody, man, there's, it's so so fascinating human behavior. Cause I'm reading, I'm rereading Atomic Habits again for like, the
1: okay. So like,
0: it's, it kind of reminds me of the same. So you get, you know, the cue, I forget the, 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 What the pattern is, but he talks about it. Trigger trigger the cue and then you go into this thing. And if you wanna change that, you gotta replace it with something else. Mm -hmm. You know, make it easy, make that habit easy or whatever. So, like you're saying, I guess somebody could how would they do that? Like, what would be would you say that instead of the reaching for the junk, they replace it with something else? Or like what's that solution for you? Like, what do you see as helpful? Like, say somebody's like, Yeah, great, at night, I'm hungry. And I feel, I feel sorry for myself or I'm, I'm sad. I miss my boyfriend. He's away or whatever. Or, you know, for guys, like, you know, I, I don't feel enough. So when I, you know, I just want to order a pizza. Mm
1: -hmm. What would you say Mm -hmm. to that?
0: Like, how would you, you know, what, 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 what does somebody do in that, in that situation?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. That's, that's where I wish I had sort of a generally like it's individual applicable it's yeah. an individual thing right sure. so yeah. in, in my experience like well for a you lot let's talk
0: it, about you let's talk yeah, about yeah. What, what you yeah. would do like
1: I'm to, a great example because I you in great had, shape
0: you've worked hard well, I, you you know you you practice thanks, what you bro. preach you're a yeah, machine yeah. like you're a fucking beast that's why I, I wanted to bring you on because you practice what you preach you're in good shape and you have practical advice for people so and you're honest you know you, you'll say hey you know what I had a couple of beers last night. I went over, you know, I'm not going to beat myself mm-hmm. up. That's the kind of honesty people want. They want to see that. And that's why right. I like what you do because it's like, hey, I'm not perfect. You don't have to be perfect, but at least you're identifying when you, you know, when things happen. Right. So for you, yeah. let's say you're feeling down, like what does that look like for you? And then how do you, what's the process look like that you have been able to identify with and shift out of that?
1: Great question. Okay, so I get excited about this because, like, I, I, am my, I am my client avatar in the sense that for many years, I, I was, like, a pretty severe binger. Not that I target binger clients specifically, but, like, I would over-restrict in the pursuit of being ripped or building muscle or whatever, without really knowing what I was doing and then the weekend would hit and I would just go to absolute town I would I was like crushing like full cakes with after a large pizza type of thing like you
0: Guinnesses you know
1: oh yeah just like <laughs> gorging bro gorging and here's the crazy piece about it Lance is like um okay so your question is, is, is interesting. And yes, there's an individual component because although we could get into this as well, the whole like root cause and root trauma concept is, is something that I've, I've learned to kind of have a bit of skepticism around. I don't think that that it's universally applicable. I don't, I think that in a lot of cases people tend to in a crazy parad- in a crazy way the irony of it is that by exploring and obsessing and delving into at depth one's root trauma there's actually a chance that in some cases that individual is reinforcing the fact that they're broken because yeah. of this and they and then they and then it just leads to resentment of you know one's parents or the person that did us wrong back then and and again it just it, it can there there's also i'm sure such is the case with so much of life and human human nature it's like there's surely circumstances where it is very beneficial where you can say oh you know what well this gives me some more clarity on how i can address my problems now but ultimately i take the position that like the way that i think and behave now in the present is my biggest opportunity to affect my future and so rather than you know rather than being like this is this is what caused me to be like this because if we knew what something was that like a specific trauma that caused people to be like this then we'd see consistency right every person who was sexually abused or every person who was had divorced parents or every person like would have a certain outcome that we could put a finger on and say look at this whole pot this whole demographic who experienced this ended up this, but we don't have that. We have people responding to those things in a variety of different ways. Some people get the most foul trauma that you could possibly imagine. And they literally would, in the present, say that that is what led them to be so fulfilled, successful, and happy now. Because it it forced them through such severe discomfort and self development that like they're they're grateful for it now which is a crazy thing
0: oh for sure i yeah but man.
1: yes and i'm i'm deviating from your question so i apologize man I no no so no like that's a, it's, a,
0: it's a good point because let's just yeah let's let's you're, you're you're right and that's why i appreciate this because i tend to kind of talk more about that side of the argument Which is good because, you know, you bringing that up, you're absolutely right. You know, there's, it doesn't necessarily, look, I've wondered this too. I always say, hey, is that a beast that you really need to go after? Do you need to keep going and going into that dark, dark over and over again? And then I see certain people that do a lot of this work, healing work, and it's like their lives don't seem to improve. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, so I just think it's such a complex thing. and everybody is so different that you're right to put like a blanket statement that all of this is that, and all of this is this is you can't do it. It's individual for each person. And you're right. Some people it's funny because some of the biggest, the hardest things that you think would mess somebody up, don't mess them up. And then certain things that actually mess people up came from something very minor, Mm -hmm. maybe they got embarrassed in front of a a group one day and then they they're they're scared to talk for the rest of their life it's like this weird minor thing and then it doesn't have to be this huge catastrophe so it's really interesting that you brought that up so continue with what you were saying man because like I, i i just i appreciate you you saying that because i think it's important for the listeners to like think about that right to not just get into these these certain ways of thinking and to kind of open our minds up a little bit that there's other there there could be other things happening right
1: mm-hmm. yeah so the 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 sort of the general reason why i was getting into that is because to go back to my own journey with eating habits and my frustration around just again it's it when we talk about trauma and then juxtapose it to like getting in good shape it seems like this the extreme juxtaposition of like something that's really important and something that's more superficial and such. I've learned to kind of challenge that notion in that like the way that we present physically is like a good indicator of one's sort of self-mastery, I think, right? It's like someone who's who is really out of shape. It's like, I have such compassion for that because these are the people that I work with. And I see that as this sort of, I'm very biased, but I see that as this sort of obvious like starting point in personal development. Let's start with getting you into decent shape because that is going to have a host of byproducts. Right. And so with my own journey, it was like, the reason I bring up the trauma aspect and such is, is that. I found that so, so often by focusing on what we can add and like move towards is, is so beneficial in the sense that we are really good at hyper-focusing on what's going wrong and the problems. Right. And so we look more at like, I need to stop doing this. Like I need to stop binge eating. I need to stop eating in the evening. I need to move away from this that like it just creates in the brain it's like this gross it's like restrictive it's it's right. rigid it's like it It reminds me of why i'm a failure it reminds me of the discipline that i lack right the crazy thing with my you know health journey was that it was only when i started just like looking at nutrition differently and Adding in things and realizing, well, maybe if I didn't eat stuff that I like found bland and borderline repulsive during the week, maybe if I didn't restrict myself Monday through Friday, maybe if I learned to like cook things that I actually enjoy and include little indulgences and moderation throughout the week, then I wouldn't be inclined to just go ham on the weekend Mm. and so over time it was like the shit that i obsessed about and thought you know when sunday would hit sunday morning and i had this like i was pregnant with a food baby from the weekend of gorging and i felt like shit and i would have drank too much and i'm like dreading monday and i'm going fuck i got because i know i'm going back to like Fasting, or I'm gonna fast all of Monday. I'm gonna punish myself for my behavior on the weekend. Screw it. I'm not eating till Tuesday. Like I did all these crazy sort of punishment-based approaches because I was on this yo-yo of trying to get the results that I wanted and just failing. And it the stuff that I obsessed about, like the removal of this behavior on the weekends, was not. The ultimate thing that led to where I am now, it was it was the addition of the more sensible approach during the week, and so it's like I say that as a in many cases I've experienced this with clients too, where if we look for problems, man, we're gonna find them. We find problems. The brain is masterful at that. it, it is designed to find problems and so in our let's be call a spade a spade there's a lot of shit going on in the world but it's a pretty damn good time to be a human it's the best time ever in terms of safety and comfort maybe not in all countries right but like just for us you know life's pretty damn good that gives us also a bit of a double-edged sword in that we have a lot of time to think about problems and if right. we do focus if we fixate on that we will find them and so rather than doing that so many instances with clients and myself it's like when we start to just look at well hmm, I wonder if we were to up your protein intake maybe experiment with some cooking like some meals that you find more palatable and you know what you said you love pizza how about we, this week, instead of doing a large pizza, you're going to, you're going to order a small and you're going to have a small pizza. And like, maybe even you transition to having that sharing a pizza on a Wednesday, you know, like starts to break up this habitual back to like atomic habit stuff. I'm sure James Clear would would agree with a lot of this stuff. It's like, so much of our behavior is habitual and patterned and when we start to add in things that that we know affects our behavior on the other side of that chain then we can see like boy it wasn't i didn't need more willpower i didn't need more discipline we don't even know where the hell those things come from we more or less do the things that we do because we've done them that way before and we've learned that way of responding to that stimulus in our lives. And again, we can, we can learn different ways as well. And the, the, the things that we do leading up to that have this effect on how we respond in the future, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so you're basically saying, from what I understand, you just making these small changes and making them so that it's sustainable rather than saying, hey, I'm going to have this fucking cheat day like The Rock on Sundays and just, you know, whatever, which is crazy. I mean, those, you know, whatever, like, but I agree with you too. Like those, those cheat days can really mess you up. And I don't know if they're even necessary if you aren't depriving yourself during the week, right? Is that what you're saying? Like you don't need to punish yourself. Like, okay, I, there's a lot of people online who have this, like, dogma. And they like to, like, you can't eat this ever. You can't do that. You can't do this. And you're right. It gives you this feeling of, like, bad little boy. Don't do that, right? Go to, yeah, go to yeah, your yeah. room, right? So is that what you're saying? Like, really just really, just have, like, make it s- simplify it, basically, at first. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. Big time. Take,
0: take away, like, if you eat a large, like myself, let's say I used to, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fucking freak like that. Like if I'm going to get a pizza, I'll get a fucking large, maybe two. Like, I'm like, I'm like, why do you need this? And then I feel like shit after. Yeah. And I'm like, and then, or I just don't eat it at all. And, and I find that for whatever reason, that's always been what I do. And, you know, over the years, you know, I've, I've followed all the trends like you, you know, I've done, I've done the paleo. I've done the keto. I've done carnivore. I've done vegan. I've done all of them. Right. I know for one that I have overcomplicated things so much, not even in health, but in everything. And what I'm learning as I get older is I'm like, it doesn't need to be this complicated. Like, Mm -hmm. It's more about stripping away a lot of the bullshit and just like simplifying things and making it easier, right? And Dude. like what you say about you talk about this. You're like, what is sustainable? Like under stress, like what what makes sense for you that you can stick to. And Lane Norton talks about this too, and he shits on mm-hmm. a lot of the, like All Saladino and all those guys and a lot of guys I follow. Like I had a lot of different people about keto and you know, and I think all of these have benefits, depending on what your goals are at certain times, but there's not a one size fit all approach. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing from my understanding is you're just basically like making it easier for people to stick to something that's attainable Mm -hmm. by doing small things that, that can help them stick to it rather than punishing them and then going off the deep end. Right. That's essentially what you're doing.
1: That's it, man. That's well summarized. It's it. I have zero zero attachment to any specific approach it really comes down to protein's really important
0: yeah i've noticed that i've upped my time lately
1: yeah so it's like making sure that one is getting sufficient protein for their current body composition and goals and then it comes down to is eating this way a way that you can that you enjoy and you can see yourself sustaining long term and is that way of eating a way of eating that allows you to achieve like a, a calorie deficit if your goal is to lose fat or maintain if your goal is to maintain your weight or gain it a be a calorie surplus if your goal is to gain weight so it's so individual, but I think to your point, that's where, man, it's, it's hard because we're so, like I said, we're so biased, right? I'm so biased. I try and catch myself. I get so passionate and I, 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 I strive to be more increasingly aware of my own projection of my bias, right? Like, because
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't. Mean to, uh, I got excited. No, please, please. No, no. I was gonna say the thing is though, it's great that you do that because you're actually in great shape. Like you're actually, you look good. You're 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 in good shape. Like, right. That's that's something that you know. There's a lot of people over the years that preach different things that aren't even in that great shape.
1: Right. Right. Yes.
0: You know, like there's. So that's why, right there, like you're you. What you're saying makes sense, but there's a lot of people that have cashed in on different trends and different fads that I don't really believe were that helpful. Like, for Mm -hmm. instance, you know, look, I, I loved, I love keto at one point. You know, there's times where I use it for, for focus. I really do, but I don't actually enjoy and I don't actually love eating all this fat and not as much protein. I just feel like it's, it's not as sustainable, and for people, I think they fail very hard, and they can't sustain that. Like that window that it takes for me specifically is that there's a window to get into keto, but then once you're in it, it's like, well, how do you stay in it? Like, and then it's like this. It's like this thing. It's like hey, oh, I, I can't have, fruit. can't yeah. have fruit. I can't have this. Yeah. And then you go out. and You're like, you're, it's hard. Sure, once yeah. you get in that spot. I've done it. It's great. But look, if you don't have a nutritionist with you all the time, or you don't have somebody Mm -hmm. making your meals when shit hits the fan, man, it's not easy. And then you sometimes will go the other way and then completely binge. And then it's like this, this, this thing. And I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate that that's what Mm -hmm. happens. So it's like, you know, and recently for me, I've been like, you know, there are a long time I didn't eat rice. And I think I remember, I remember we did like Costco runs back in, yeah, yeah. And I was on this thing, you know, I did the fruit and the meat, which I liked, but I didn't feel I didn't feel like you know, at the gym, not I I when I when I didn't have rice, I didn't feel strong. Mm. Or I I cut back on all those carbs cuz I was like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know. But now I've been eating them more more rice and meat, vegetables, and I'm like, I felt like a fucking powerhouse at the gym. I'm like, Where was yeah. the strength? I was yeah. like, I haven't had this this feeling. And I was like, I can eat this at night. I feel like this is easier for me because mm-hmm. I look forward to that rice. I don't, then I don't have to deprive myself. Yes. From it, you know, because it's like in yeah. my evening meal. So I, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So I wanted to share that because I think a lot of people struggle with whoever is the loudest and the most famous online, who has the most influence, kind of mm-hmm. takes over the narrative. Right. Yeah, and, you know, sure. there's a lot of people that, are doing great work, but they're the loudest. And then they seem like they know everything. And then everybody just kind of jumps on that train. And I think it's important to go, wait a second, that's not necessarily going to be the best for you.
1: Yes. And to, it's a great point. And to add to that, it's also those, the loudest and, you know, most prevalent on social media that you speak of, they often, I give them, most of them, the benefit of the doubt. They're probably just caught up in their own bias because it's very natural to think, well, this worked for me, so it's probably going to work for you. Some are probably, I would say, like a small deg- percentage of them are perhaps like consciously... Malicious is probably not the best word, but you know what I'm saying? They're like, I'm aware that this isn't probably not the best message for me to promote, but I'm making tons of money from it. Liver King. Yeah. Great example. Great example. But like ultimately, it's, it's one of those things where it's simple. Yeah. If I just say carbs are the enemy and I'm just like pro keto. The layperson is a is drawn to that. That message is going to resonate better than, you know, not even me, like well above me, the the nutritional academic who's literally devoted his fucking career, his or her career, to nutritional research, who says, in reality, you know, a varied omnivorous diet is likely the best. Approach for most humans it requires you to experiment with what you feel best like the layperson goes I don't have time for that give me the person like the chiropractor who's now preaching it's always chiropractors so they they, they leverage their their doctor title which the layperson goes ooh doctor credible instantly credible right is a chiropractor or, or other, even a medical doctor, like, are they trained to like comprehend nutritional research? No, it's different, right? So, mm. I digress. If they're saying just cut out carbs, carbohydrate insulin model is real. When you eat carbs, your insulin spikes, that leads to fat gain. No, it doesn't work like that. But, like, when the layperson hears that, they, they go, well, that's easy. I just got to cut out carbs, no more sugar, no more fruit, no more car. no more bread, no more rice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a simpler approach, but it ultimately backfires because it's restrictive. It's not sustainable. People lose a bunch of weight on keto. You mentioned Lane Norton, like I've read his book fat loss forever. And, and he talks about his dad, his dad loss. Like this is like Lane's a freaking one of those nutritional researchers, yeah. right, who's devoted his life yeah. to this stuff. His his own father was in the keto camp. And so that's just another fun thing of aspect of like the psychological side of it, like even yeah. his own dad seemingly didn't come to him and be like what should I do cuz I'm with lane in the sense that I'm very I'm biased towards what we would consider flexible dieting or flexible nutrition in that you front load the effort that it takes to learn how to track your nutrition so that you have an idea of where you track fall calories you pill. mean
0: track calories yeah yeah, okay. yeah
1: where like just approximately that's a whole other can of worms that we could get into that like you basically sort of it doesn't have to be as precise and and scientific as many people dramatize you know Hype it up in their heads as it to be. It's just really like, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a nuisance in the beginning, but just like getting a rough idea of where you at are at in terms of protein, carbs, and fats is a really powerful thing, and it can be this, in my experience, like front-loaded pathway to a more intuitive style of eating. Because to again bring it back to my own journey, man, like, wow, I'm so grateful that i'm on this that i do what i do and when i when i contrast the way that i used to treat myself with eating with running like i would i would crush like two dozen donuts then go through this whole guilt shame cycle and then go for like a fucking 20k run i'd go run like half a marathon with like to to basically punish myself, but with the intention of like, oh shit, that's right. I'm trying to lose fat. And I just ate probably 2000 calories in donuts. So I'm going to go run this off on the seawall, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's not a very fun way to live. And now my, my, the way I eat is so simple. I love what I eat and it came as a result of this flexible nutrition, I started tracking my intake. And now being able to eyeball like that's, that's roughly 30 grams of protein, that's roughly 30 to 40 grams of carbs, that's probably ooh, that looks a little bit oily, that's probably another 10 to 15 grams of fat. It's not like you have to be this scientist with a calculator, just plug it in your stuff, it, it becomes over time. This sort of amazing paradox in that the tracking aspect is what people have this aversion towards in the beginning because it seems obsessive and restrictive and oh that's for like somebody who's training for a bodybuilding contest and yet when you do it long enough it becomes the very thing that alleviates one of their like can I eat this? Am I going to gain weight? Oh, I'm going to step on the scale tomorrow and be like, oh my God, I've gained two pounds. I need to like restrict myself or not eat breakfast or fast again, or I need to eat clean more. It's like over time with attachment, not attachment, but like an emphasis on the data. What's, What's the overarching trends of your body weight and your body composition over the long term not day to day and what's the rough trends of like your your nutritional intake man it just it frees you up like i can do such fun things and know that i'm still moving in the direction that i want to go i can incorporate a couple beers i can have that burger i don't want to have a large pizza anymore man i want to have like three slices because i know that i know how i feel if i overindulge yeah i feel like a slug totally you know
0: yeah, no, I agree. I I want to discuss two areas here that I made a note. So things that I hear about all the time is the calorie stuff. So I really want to talk about... So there's a lot of people, including myself, that don't understand calories as much as maybe I'd like to. So mm-hmm. the factor calories in, calories out, some people say each calorie is not considered equal depending on like what's going on in your body. If you have inflammation, if you have, you know, a can of Coke, it's not the same as calories in something healthy. What would you say to that? If somebody challenged you with that, like say somebody has 2,000, calories in meat or mm-hmm. organs, and then somebody had the same calories in Coca-Cola. What would you say is the difference there?
1: Okay. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting question. I'll say this, like at, at the, at the foundation, calories, just a unit of measure. Right. So like, I think the mistake that people, excuse me, get into is asking the wrong kind or like worrying about the wrong things. Yeah. We get caught, we get lost in the vernacular. We get lost in like the, well, what is a calorie a calorie are there good calories are there bad calories i take again the position that let's zoom out and be like how can we simplify this what would this look like if it were simple and easy and in that case it comes down to who who cares yeah like food selection true. food selection matters yeah right so To answer your question directly, if we, not to overcomplicate things, but we can look at things on a spectrum of like density and calorie density. And if we think about like a can of Coke, for instance, it's going to be low on the nutrient density scale. There's minimal nutrients in it. Yeah. And it's going to be high on the calorie density scale. There's Mm -hmm. like a lot of sugar in it. Does that mean it's bad? No. Like, I I know people who can have the room in their nutritional intake to have a can of Coke. Like, would I advise someone do it every single day? Probably not. But someone who's trying to gain weight, or and to go back to our original thing, like, some people don't respond to stress by consumption. Some people respond the opposite. They don't eat, right? they'll skip. Like I've got clients who want to lose fat, yet in a strange way, when they get stressed, they don't eat. And so then they, they, they have this like super irregular pattern of eating such that they have a stressful day and they don't eat until the evening. And then they just are like, obviously starving and they end up eating way too much. I digress. The the point being that when we take a look at we're just using calories as a loose yeah. measure of like, what is it that approximately, what approximate nutritional intake for you causes you to maintain weight, lose weight, or gain weight? Right. And then for you, how can we start to manipulate your food selection in a way that you enjoy, keeps you satisfied? And helps you move towards your goal. So if your goal is fat loss and we say, well, it looks like you're averaging about this many calories and you're at here with protein, well, we can say, cool, well, let's, let's actually increase your protein a bit and see what that effect has on your evening hunger or your overall satiety for the day we may find that that just like helps you. I have so many clients who I start getting them to eat sufficient protein and they go, my goodness, I'm full. I haven't been full. I've been trying to eat, you know, 11 or 1200 calories for years. And now I'm at reasonable protein. And it comes back to that whole like addition over restriction, the problems that they alluded to, needing resolution, like their evening eating and such, it they they start to like self-correct as a byproduct of what we add in there. So let's get your protein up. Let's make sure you're maybe having a serving of fruit and veggies at each meal. And so that's where I think in most cases when people do get caught up in the whole, what is a calorie? Are there good calories? Are there bad calories? Is it calories in, calories out? It's like, who gives a fuck? Like, let's, let's, let's look at what, what can work for you in a way that makes sense and you can sustain. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It makes sense. You're simplifying it. You're right.
1: Trying to. It's
0: overcomplicated. Again, it comes back to what you're saying is like, who fucking cares? We don't need to even have that conversation. If you just, if your goal is to this, then it's probably good to have something to measure. Even with, I'm going to go to keto again, because I had this thing where when I first started, I was like, this was back in 2017 or earlier than that, 2016. And you know Tim Ferriss was talking about it and I was eating like, all fat, no carbs. And I was going way into the calories. And I was like, why am I getting bigger? Like, why am I getting fatter? And I was like, their calories do matter, right? Obviously, Mm -hmm. like in a sense, but like, you're right. You don't, it's common sense too, right? It's like, you know, you're, you obviously, you have to look at each thing. And I think you do need some level of measurement. And, and, and actually more people are talking about it again, you know, more about measuring because and same with protein. Protein was demonized for a long time. People were like, "Oh, yeah, protein, yeah. this and eat more fat, less protein." And I'm like, "Fuck that, man! I want to eat more protein now. I like, I feel yeah. way better."
1: Yeah. Well, and just real quick, dude, to like, I hope I don't come across as, because I want to normalize the fact that that it makes sense that we we get caught up in this.
0: Yeah. No shit.
1: What is a calorie? Because like. A, the amount of misinformation, the amount of just information out there, period. And B, it's like, that's, it it just makes, it makes sense. I went, I was, I was the king of this struggle, this struggle. This is why I get so passionate and into, I love what I do because I have clients who come to me and I'm like, that's me. I was like that. This is the confusing thing. So how can I... How can I help educate and progressively nurture this client in the direction that I went roughly such that they can experience the freedom that I experience with my nutritional intake now? Calorie tracking is not a perfect science. No. And I think that's a good thing. We can lean into that and say, the goal is not to be this perfect scientist in the lab of your kitchen you eat food and so if we just look at loosely like how we can get you constructing meals that make you feel good and you enjoy then that's the real crux of it right it's not a perfect science it's it's just the best way in my experience that we have currently yeah you know
0: yeah totally man I mean it's important to have the, the conversation about it, right? Because there's a lot of people, you know, there's 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 so many different you know ways to do everything, right? And it's it's just important to kind of hear all the things. Like you said, like you can get caught up on social media just hearing one thing and that becomes a narrative and it's like, wait a second, is that even true? And then you have to just take a look and you have to you have to try it for yourself too. I'm a big I'm a big fan of like, yes, great, but how do you feel on it, right? Like you Mm -hmm. have to try this stuff, right? It's like maybe it worked for somebody or they eat that, but that doesn't work for you. You have to try it. You have to do that. And you have to give yourself time to try each thing, right? Totally. For you to know. And I feel like a lot of people, yeah, they just, they don't, they don't, they don't give themselves that opportunity to at least try it and see how they feel. They just take someone's opinion. Would you say yeah. that that's important? Like for people to really just, in order for you to know what's good for you, you have to try it on yourself. Right. Would you say? I
1: like, would, I would wholeheartedly agree with the caveat that you want to measure appropriate metrics of whether it's working or not. Cause most right. people, most people, Use that and then we just use the shotgun approach. Right. Or we're just kind of like, let's completely overhaul my diet. Yeah. Or throw shit at the wall and see what sticks, type of thing. And then we're just going based off of emotional responses. And so with insufficient metrics of measurement, we are rendering ourselves or we're, we're increasing the probability that we just go along with emotional responses, which day to day, man, yeah, they're just so misleading. Yeah. It's like, it's one of the, my, it's honestly my, one of the biggest roles of my job is reminding clients that you're doing, you're doing good. Hey, you're on the right path. Cause when we track certain metrics to be able to say, well, When a client wakes up, which they always do—not always, but they inevitably do at some point in their journey—and say, "I'm not happy with my progress," because the brain plays tricks on us. We see what we see in the mirror. We're like, "I don't feel very good." It's like that emotional response. That's when most people, when we're taking the shotgun approach or doing this on our own, we say, "This isn't working," and so I'm going to restrict more, or I'm going to say, "Screw it! I'm done with this diet." I'm bringing back in all of the carbs now, and then I gain a bunch of weight and I get even more frustrated. In my case, when clients have that instance, it's like, okay, no, I totally hear you. Let's, let's look at the data though here. yeah, The amount of times that I've had a client do that, and then we look at their weekly average trends. It's like, you had a high weigh-in yesterday, but look at your weekly average you're still down. You're down 0.5% of your body weight. That's a fantastic rate of weight loss. You know, you're, you just had, that's not fat that you're, that you're, that you've gained overnight. It's just water retention. Did you have a salty meal yesterday? How was your sleep? Did you have a little bit more stress? Did you have a new workout, right? There's all kinds of variables in that, that can cause day-to-day fluctuations. And so all that is to say is like, yeah as long as you as long as you are following the data as opposed to emotional responses then i totally agree with you you don't know until you until you try it some people i do have clients who like higher fat lower carb and that's awesome like they feel better on it they can sustain it that's sweet as long as we can keep protein at a certain level and manage overall calories carbs and fats really does come down to a preference thing fats are going to be inherently easier to overconsume because they're very calorie dense right they're not going to if you were to compare like 100 calories of oil versus 100 calories of potato or sweet potato like you could just see the visual difference in volume like what's going to fill you up more in your stomach well we do have stretch receptors in our stomach and like that sweet potato is going to is going to be more voluminous in your in your system such that you feel more full, but it really is a preference thing. It's like, what do you feel better on and what 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 allows you to manage your overall energy intake and keeps you moving towards the the goal that you want.
0: I feel like you're speaking right to me on the emotional thing. Like hey, I'm like, yeah, I'm to just go on.
1: Well dude, it's man, true, that's true though. It's true. Yeah same same man again this is this is i i get into it cuz it's me
0: yeah you hear that I am Every, You <laughs> hear that everybody you we all this this is why it's it's real right it's it's like it's the real it's life and it's like you know preparing yourself that what can you stick to and mm-hmm. yeah like i mean for me like the high fat carbs is is better for i like it for cognitive function but for strength at the gym the
1: high fat you mean?
0: yeah like i i i like right. having, like i like low carbs when i okay, need yeah. when i need to be like dialed in focus wise like right. during the day i don't eat a lot of carbs i i like mm-hmm. to just it works for me you know yeah because if i eat carbs i get kind of brain foggy during the day
1: mm-hmm. but
0: when it comes to training there's no doubt that for me you know, having carbs is, is, is like night and day when it comes Mm -hmm. to the gym. And then Mm -hmm. it's funny because there's times where I like deprive myself of carbs. I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. you know, I got to go to the gym and then my gym, my workout sucks. And I'm like, well, if I would have just eaten the carbs and not worried, I would have, then I get to like, you know, have a great workout and burn calories. So it's like my workout suffered because I was depriving myself of carbs but I'm like mm-hmm. I might as well just have ate carbs and just had a better workout. Like it's just. Yeah.
1: It, it's, when do you work out? Do you work out in the evening or morning?
0: Usually in the evening, later on. Okay, yeah. Or yeah. you know during the you know in the morning sometimes, but lately yeah. it's been like you know late afternoon. So cool. like you know get the work done and and then you know protein and some fat during mm-hmm. it. I've actually cut down on my fat recently and just kind of had more protein and less of the like bulletproof coffees kind of thing. Cause I'm like, do I need yeah, yeah. these calories? I'm like, I don't really need them. I'm like, I still have fat to burn off my body. Why don't I just up my protein? Yeah. And, and have yeah. more like, you know, coffee or black tea. And I found that to be, feel good during the day. And then, you know, after my workout, but it, it varies. And just, I, I bring that up because I think people sort of, you know, they're either one or the other. And I think, would you agree that you can kind of do both at t- Like, you know,
1: you, absolutely. Right. Like based on what you're saying, there there'd be a lot more kind of discussion to really say this is what we might do. But for you, based based on what you're saying, yeah, absolutely. You might be someone who benefits from sticking to, you know, protein and lower carbs throughout the day to to benefit from the cognitive aspect. And then you know, having a certain amount of carbs, you know, one to two hours before your workout type of thing, such that you can replenish your, your glycogen stores and, and have a solid workout. So yeah, the answer is yes, you can absolutely do both. And when you get into more of that, like more slightly complex nutrient timing stuff, you're, you're generally always going to be like, loading your carbohydrate intake on either side of your workout type of thing. Because that's where, that's where you're going to get the most benefit. You're, you're, you're speaking to it a lot in terms of like noticing if I'm not, if I don't have carbs in my system, my, my workouts kind of suck, you know?
0: Well, would you say then what, okay. So people might be wondering this too. Like, so are you going to get the benefit? It's like, let's say you have a cup of rice for dinner with, like, protein yep. and everything. Now, would you, with that cup of rice, would you be getting that in the next workout? Or is that replenishing the workout you had? Like, how does that work as far as, like... Because I used to think, oh, the night before you're getting the benefit of, like, you know, from playing hockey. I don't know. I, I really don't even know, like, actually how it all works, to be honest. Okay. So yeah, So, are no. you, like, if you want a good... if you If you want to fuel yourself for a good workout, not go overboard, but also repair... Mm. Like, what does that look like? Do you have that nice amount of carbs before the workout and then after? Or do you got to be careful with that amount? Or like so, let's, let's say somebody yeah. trains four or five times a week. and Right. You know.
1: Okay. So it's a great question. And I would love to, and I will, I'll, I'll give you kind of like the simple version and then the nerdy version. Okay. The simple version is this. If I have a client who asks that kind of question and they've got, you know, they're not where they want to be body compositionally, I'm going to, and unless they have like a lot of time to devote to this stuff, I'm going to be like, how about we simplify things before we complicate them? And they usually, if I say like, well, you got a lot on your plate bob you know like you got a job you got a business you got kids like how about before we get into the whole nutrient timing thing do you want to try a phase where we just really simplify things let's see how that affects you let's see how that impacts you overall it's going to be easier to integrate and and it's not permanent if it if you find that it's not working we can change it are you cool with that? Usually he's gonna be like simple, yeah, okay. I, I don't want to like sit down and do a bunch of math about this stuff, right? So that's when I would say we I take the position that from most people who unless they're like on a extreme level of athlete performance based and they've got a really good foundation, if if they're just looking to like improve their overall health energy and body composition i take the position that it's best to simplify before you complicate so let's take a sequential approach and i'm like let's just evenly distribute things so that you've got you're you're consuming enough carbs that you're not feeling full you're not experiencing brain fog it's not slowing you down but you also have enough what's called glycogen, which is like your, your body's stored version of carbohydrates that you have a good workout. And so that's where it becomes this experimental thing with each individual. Cause I have clients who like work out in the morning without having eaten and they feel fine, maybe because they had higher carbs the following evening. So they've got sufficient glycogen but like this, you know, a different client who does a longer workout might deplete their glycogen during that workout. And they're like, man, it was a good workout in the beginning, but towards the end, I was feeling real sluggish. But that's where you get into more of like the, the nuance of like a higher performing athlete. And I work with more lifestyle folk. I do have some athlete clients, but like I try and cater towards the lifestyle person where I go nutrient timing in terms of like the the hierarchy of priority is is quite quite down on the list like it's it's we want to worry about overall balance you know energy balance before we worry about when we're going to do when we're going to interject carbs and so forth and for most people because they take that shotgun approach oftentimes we find that when we just simplify things they kind of go oh man like yeah it's true i do have a little bit of carbs at each meal and i don't feel that sluggish like it may have been a belief that insulin spike causes this surge of energy like the sugar high and then the crash but the reality is that even when we look at the glycemic index, it's, it's not super helpful because it's based on individual foods. Do you ever eat just rice? Most people, the answer is no. When you consume a carbohydrate source, in most cases, if you learn to eat consistently with balanced plates, you're going to have that with a fiber source or it's a high fiber carb source in and of itself. You're gonna have it with some fat. You're gonna have it with some protein. That that fat, that protein, that fiber, it affects the way that your body responds to that carbohydrate, that glucose, essentially, such that it does not create this big insulin spike. And that's not even to say that an insulin spike is bad. There's like these crazy trends now of wearing like you know continuous glucose monitors and such. Like, man, fuck. Throw that stuff out the window. It's just overcomplicating things. Like, yeah, if we just start building plates that help you simplify and you feel okay. And we 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 take that approach of like understanding maybe in the beginning there's gonna be an adjustment period. So let's do it for two weeks and then and then assess, as yeah. opposed to like, oh, today I don't feel good. Therefore, it's not working. We, we take more of a longer term approach and a patient experimental approach and follow the data. A lot of people find that like, yeah, you know what? I don't really need to worry about that nutrient timing thing. Now, I take myself as an example. I, I crush the gym. Like I'm in the best shape of my life. And I, I evenly, I don't do any nutrient timing. I even, I simplify the shit out of my intake. I take what my current nutritional targets are and I give myself a loose range. And I say, I like to eat four times per day. I just evenly distribute those proteins, carbs, and fats throughout those meals. And then other days I go, you know what? Today I'm going out for, you may have seen it on my Instagram story. It's like, I'm going out to the bar to see my brother perform or whatever. So I'm going to have, I'd, I'm going to have a burger and a couple beers. beers. Yeah. That obviously throws my like balance out, but I know that I can do that, enjoy myself and stay within my process and my journey. I might gain a little bit of weight, but it's like, so be it. I'm back on track tomorrow. And even I'm still on track that, that day because I know I have that understanding of my, my overall intake. Does that answer your question? Yeah, man, that it makes like... a
0: lot of sense. This is like it's like a masterclass. I know we've gone way over <laughs> here. I can't believe how fast this has gone by. Just, yeah, man. I just Hopefully. think it's a, I think it's a good a good conversation because I know the stuff that I ask is is like stuff that people are thinking about because I feel like a lot of the shit that over the years a lot of the confusion is very relatable to people especially the people that have been like up and down with weight gain and gaining it back. And I think people now are just, I, you know, I can speak for myself. Like, I just want to find something. I just want to be able to just feel good, stay lean and be able to like, not feel guilty about food. You know, food doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be guilty. This like, there's this weird emotion, this like guilt around food. It's like, Fucking, you know what? If you're going to eat something, enjoy the hell out of it. Don't, don't, you know, like.
1: Bingo. If you're
0: going to eat McDonald's one day. Just eat it and enjoy the hell out of it. And then forget about it. Don't sit there and go, oh, oh. why did I do that? It's like. Yeah. Just just fully be present with the thing. Like, look at the Big Mac and just go, this is fucking yeah. awesome. Right? And then just let Dude, it go.
1: I, I literally woke up last. I have a notepad by my bed. I wake up with all these content ideas. And I wrote down something similar to that. And it was like, I'd have to read it again. But more more damage is done via the thinking, the thought processes following deviation from a plan than the deviation itself. So to your point, more damage is done with how I think about that Big Mac yeah. And then respond afterwards than then the Big Mac itself. The Big Mac, whatever, have a fucking Big Mac. Like Yeah, that this is that stress know,
0: that you feel around the food itself actually creates worse effects than the food itself.
1: We stress ourselves out, right? We create more stress. And then to use that to come full circle, what do we we want to get away from it? So we end up maybe eating more Big Macs or saying, well. I might as well keep going and I'm feeling this guilt and I know that my brain's just made this association to the Big Mac removing the stress. So I'm going to have another Big Mac and I'll start again tomorrow. And then it's this like yeah, guilt, shame, but it, it also is like to come back to that piece of saying a lot of us think, you know, I need to fix my relationship with food and maybe sure. Like, again, I, I, I challenge myself because I'm biased. But I think that if I look at my own journey, it would seem that on the surface, I had a horrible relationship with food. But that to me is this kind of metaphysical thing. Do we really have a relationship with food? What is a relationship? Like, I don't know. My journey to where I am now nutritionally did not require this like deep, you know, metaphysical exploration of my relationship with food. It really was like the addition of more sensible patterns of eating and like practical integration of behavior around food. Yeah. And so the relationship with food on the surface, it resolved itself. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, dude. It does, man.
0: This is, it's powerful conversation and it's it's so important and man i love what you're doing i think i feel like you're well i know i feel like you're meant to be doing this shit like you're the way you speak it the way you show up and i think the way you the way you express it and teach it is very easy to understand and absorb so what you're doing is great so thank you man like you your Thanks, communication bro. is really good and that's really half the battle is how do you communicate to the human, right?
1: <laughs> Bingo. I've got a long ways to go, but I appreciate that.
0: Where, so where can men find you? I know on Instagram, you're helping men in their 30s lose that gut. Get rid of that fucking gut, you guys. And become physically <laughs> capable by learning what to eat. How can they work with you? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so my main, my primor- primary, you know, way to contact me is Instagram. Coach underscore Rye Hickey, H-I-C-K-E-Y. I think I've got the link right in my bio to apply to work with yeah. me. I've only got actually a few spots left. I'm capping my, my roster because I'm actually going back to school, but continuing on with my business. But, but yeah, that's where they can find me. And I, I strive to, to pump out nutritional content helpful stuff every day on that platform
0: yeah man it's it's fun and highly recommend you guys follow ryan for the daily nutrition tips i have your instagram right here there's a link there you guys can go do an assessment he's only got a few spots so if you want don't be slow about it go go take advantage of it and what about what about if our women listeners were curious or wanted to learn more what does that look like is that same thing. I,
1: I work with women, oh, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, you know, and what you'll find on my Instagram, it's like, a lot of it is, it's the way that you market your business yeah. is, diff, can be different from the way that you actually provide your service. I think this conversation would be a good, yeah. if people hear me talk about the stuff and then see some of my content, they might be like, he seems like a bit of an asshole on Instagram. <laughs> And, and I'm not, but but yeah, I do work with women. I've got, I've got multiple women clients. This, a lot of the stuff is very similar. I just have niched down to really be specific with like who I, who I resonate with most based on my own experience, which is guys in their thirties who've kind of had this like up and down of trying different fads and continuing to be frustrated with, with like some extra fluff around the gut, you know? So that's who I've decided to to hone in on.
0: So you're essentially working with the person that you were a few years ago. Is that kind of Bingo. Like, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, cuz I can speak to it, man. Yeah. It's, I can just be like, oh, "Okay. Yeah. Here we go. I know what you need."
0: <laughs> oh, I appreciate it, dude. I look forward to seeing your growth and I'm sure everybody enjoyed this conversation. There's so much more, but I mean, I could talk to you all day about this. There's like There's so much to discuss and we'll probably have to do a round two one day. Love uh, to.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Lance. Appreciate you, man.
0: Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. What a great episode. So many good takeaways there. Ryan is a wealth of knowledge. And like I mentioned to him many times, he's a great communicator. So if you're somebody that's confused about your nutrition or you have questions, hit him up on Instagram, follow him, follow his content. He's got lots of great videos. And if you want to take the next step, hit him up in the link on his bio and Instagram. I think he's got a couple spots available. So if it's something you want to do, don't wait on it. Go hit him up. He's high demand. As you can see, he's great at what he does. So till next time, everybody, if you aren't subscribed to the podcast, make sure to do so wherever you're listening. We're also available on YouTube, slowly making slow progress on there. But as always, I love you guys. I appreciate you. We will catch you next time.